2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is with us. One handle of rum today for Damon. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's. You can dial us up, 466 three3776 800 825-5865. Email chris at halevarsity.com. Plenty of thoughts on Nebraska. Penn State, a uh, Bryce McGowan's update, his announcement time. And how about Will Bolt? Will Bolt with a monster haul for Nebraska baseball. Lots to get into. You've got the numbers. We'll spend plenty of time on Nebraska-Penn State, an extended sit-down with uh, Penn State insider Audrey Snyder from The Athletic here coming up in about 20 minutes. Gary Barnett in one hour. Brandon Vogel. In the I-80 podcast, baby. So we'll talk to Vogue's uh, in hour two. And then your best bets, we will hit games that are not canceled. From Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago with VEASAN Sports Network. So let's get into Saturday and <laughs> try and lay out. I laugh because I'm I'm uncertain, right? I mean, and I think that's where a lot of Nebraska fans are at right now with what is going to happen on Saturday it's going to be weird anyway right going to I'm, I'm thankful I get a chance to go to the game Saturday and it's it's just going to be interesting to say the least to see how things go and it, it, you, you hear coaches talk about energy and you hear coaches talk about perseverance and grind I mean listen it's not cliche Thursday I promise you But at this point in the year, in this year like no other year, it is really going to come down to motivation. Uh, Brad Edwards hit that on the head yesterday. And, you know, what's the motivation like? We'll hear from Scott Frost here coming up. And I I don't want to go all in with, well, Penn State's clearly – checked out. But that that's the feel. At least that's the feel we got from from Jay Paterno. Like Penn State's teetering. And they're gonna probably roll in and, and score a lot of points on Saturday right after I give the kiss of death, say, well Penn State's teetering. Listen, they, they are not in a good spot and you just don't know where teams are at between their ears, especially teams that aren't used to adversity. I mean, yeah, th- there'll be some adversity against Ohio State. There'll be some adversity against Michigan. Uh, there was adversity a couple of years ago when when Michigan State beat Penn State, right? But there's not a whole hell of a lot of adversity in, in the Happy Valley on, in, in the James Franklin era. Like early, yes, but overall they're cranking out 9, 10, 11 wins a year. And it's more of that 10 11 number. I mean, they have gone to, to four consecutive New Year's Six Bulls. And they're great. They're talented, but they are in a spot they have never, ever been. And you got to go back a ways. Uh, first couple of years, Franklin was there. They were seven and six. They had quarterback regression with Christian Hackenberg. And now they've got an upperclassman that is, is a high level prospect that is absolutely struggling. Does that sound familiar? You know, the the question is, what's going to happen with Nebraska football and and the quarterback situation? Listen, Penn State's offense is a mess running the football. Penn State's offense is a mess on the offensive line. And Penn State's offense uh, has really forgotten about their NFL-caliber tight end and Penn State's offense has got one dude that can go get on Sports Center, but if you if you get physical with him, if you're Cam Taylor, Britt, or DiCaprio Boodle, how much he like getting pushed around a little bit? Now he did ball out against Ohio State secondary, so there is that. But you have a Penn State offense that is pretty much one dimensional, at least coming in, and it's not like they were playing. Awesome defenses aside from Ohio State, and I don't put Ohio State's defense in the awesome category compared to past silver bullet groups. So if you're Nebraska, uh, any hope of, of kind of sparking your offense is going to start with tempo and who you got at quarterback and making some plays and getting your playmakers the football. That's Dale Robinson. That's getting the running game going, and that that needs to happen because if it doesn't happen Saturday against a reeling defense in Penn State, you gotta wonder, is it ever gonna happen this year? And I'm not saying they're going to to go winless, but you have an opportunity if you're Nebraska to kind of get that M-word going, that momentum. Find a way in a tight ball game and make some plays, make some winning plays in the fourth quarter and take care of yourself Saturday and then you got Illinois coming in. And who knows, right? It's 2020. But Try and stack a couple of wins together. Penn State's never really endured this. They got a bunch of guys that are supposed to be contributing that are out for one reason or another. Their high profile quarterback that's a veteran is struggling. Their offensive line that's veteran is struggling. And defensively, they aren't stopping anybody. And this, you want to talk about a get well game, and I never thought in my life I'd say this because Penn State was preseason number eight and they have top 10 talent. But this is a chance to get well if you're Nebraska's offense against a team on that side of the ball, on both sides of the football, that are really doubting themselves. Mm-hmm. Penn State may be, may be ready to just move on to 2021. And Nebraska's got to ask themselves the, the question, can, can they get it done at home in a weird year? Penn State's traveling. Can they go get it done against a defense that gives up a a? bunch of big plays. I mean, we're talking about six or seven plays of 35 yards or more this season. And you flip it around, you're taking on an offense that, yes, does have some playmakers, but they ain't running the football. And they have given up 13 sacks in three games. They worked on seven or eight sacks last week against Maryland. And no one's confused Maryland for the 85 Bears. So if you're going to get home and, and really pressure the quarterback – this is the game also to, to maybe have some breakthroughs defensively. Not breakdowns, but breakthroughs defensively. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm looking between the lines here at Penn State and Nebraska. I know Penn State's still favored. I know Penn State has more talent. But I think you've got different motivations. Uh, Penn State, if, if you can get out of the gate early, and get things moving, and have something good happen to you if you're Nebraska, I think Penn State is ready to stay and lean on that rope in the old imaginary boxing ring and and say no moss. I think they are are very, very close. Because I'm not saying they don't have guys with backbone or leadership. I think they have guys that don't have any clue how to handle this situation. You flip it around, and you're Nebraska – I think they've gone back to work kind of angry. And I know that there was a chip on their shoulder last week and they came out and didn't handle their business when it comes to the uh, the, the mental that, that bled into the physical side of things. So I expect a close ball game Saturday just because of Penn State's sure talent. But I expect Nebraska, they need to do the right thing. And whoever they go with at quarterback has got to come out and be able to, to really start fast. And that that's every game I get, but it's super important for this game just because of the headspace Penn State's in right now. So let's get into some Scott Frost thoughts from earlier today, uh, his uh, Zoom session before we, uh, we get into to the game routine Friday, Saturday. So this was great. Parker Gabriel's a frequent guest on our show. Parker Gabriel with the Journal Star. Got things started off with a question we've all wondered about. And, and I don't know. I've had this discussion and I'm going to bring you in, Damon. When you go sunglasses shopping, you need that wingman or woman to be straight with you. Do these things look good on me? And I didn't, it, you know, I hadn't seen Frosty wearing sunglasses ever, really, honestly, now that I think about it. But he had the shades on in, in Evanston. And they were some some aviators. And I'd love to be able to rock aviators because they're cool. I've got a goofy face. So I go with a, a different type of sunglasses. I, I've got kind of that combo between the, uh, the, the Bono's but the bug eye kind, but they're a little bit kind of shrunk down, so they don't look super goofy. And occasionally I I can pull it off. The aviators, (laughs) no man, they look way too big on my face and my wife gives me hell about it. But uh, the the sunglasses question got us kicked off today and it was lighthearted. It was pretty funny. It was good.
3: Hey Scott, Um, I guess we'll just get right to the question people are wondering about which is of course where did you find those aviators that you wore last saturday and did they did you get enough trust in them to bring them out again this weekend
1: if it's sunny
3: uh they were mine i got out on the field it was really bright out there saturday and i i don't like wearing sunglasses i um all right I don't want to look like one of those guys that thinks he needs to wear cool guy sunglasses all the time, so I've never wanted to wear them, but I, I was standing on our sideline had trouble seeing, so I had a choice of Chinander's extra
4: sunglasses and Lambrick's extra sunglasses, and um, I forget whose I ended up going going with. There you go. He, he had to borrow them.
2: Ken emails in, chris at alevarsity.com, and Ken, frankly, pisses me off a lot, but he's always a good Point-counterpoint guy. Uh, Is Nebraska not teetering with little to play for either? Not winning the West? I mean, every guy on that squad wants to go in with, yeah, we're going to go try and win the West. There's reality uh, attached to that. And I don't know even your biggest, baddest Nebraska fan thought Nebraska could win the West this year. And you're never going to, like, say that as a head coach or as a leader on the football team, that you can't go win the West. But I think the the scope of what we're talking about, I think the higher you are, the harder you fall. And with Penn State, if they're eighth ranked and then they got a bunch of dudes opt out medically or if you're Micah Parsons, uh, and then it goes bad to worse, this is awful to say, but Nebraska's been struggling for, for quite a while. So they've been in they've been in the 0-6 start or they had the meltdown in Boulder last year. So as as sad as it is to say, they're kind of used to this situation. There's There's some familiarity with trying to dig out. Penn State's not, at least not this team, not this 2020 squad from a projection standpoint. They were supposed to, all right, even if you lose to Ohio State, things can get funky, but they're not supposed to be 0-3. At worst, they're supposed to be 2-1 and right now. Now, Nebraska has lost to what? They've lost to the, the second-best team in the country, and Northwestern right now is ranked, so they've lost. They're 0-2 against ranked teams. Indiana's a 10th-ranked team right now. We'll see if they're for real or not. I think they're pretty good. But I think the Big Ten's obviously down a little bit if – Indiana is the tenth ranked team in the country. Just just because they've not done it. I mean, Penn State's done a top ten, top twelve ranking for a while, all right. And Indiana's not. So the harder you fall, I guess is my take on why it's different for Penn State. Because they, they there is like nothing for them. Nothing for all right, your consolations and New Year's Day six. Branch is hoping to get to a bowl game. You know, bowl game goal. Uh compete in the West goal. Figure out your quarterback situation. Goal. Not Penn State, let's let's go gun for a, a championship and let's you know, we're not elite yet. Jeff emails in, we're used to sucking. So There we go. Scott Frost, uh, no new news on the quarterback, but here's his response to who's behind center.
3: Uh, Not much. Um, Still believe we have two really good players, uh, and we'll make a decision here. Uh, Both guys have been competing for that and and practicing to get there, and uh, we'll make a decision.
2: So, yeah, no clue on who's going to run out there. I think it'll be McCaffrey. Should it be McCaffrey? That depends on how practice went this week. But you've moved the football. Let's figure out, if you're in Nebraska, how to punch it in, whoever's behind center. Do you see more of Scott at running back? Uh, looked really three or four carries, got to the outside, pretty good speed. Do you see some power eye? With uh, Mills at fullback, or do you put Austin Allen in in the I formation under center if you're inside the five? Do you get some things worked out kink wise with your tight ends? And what do you do at wide receiver? That's the question. You, you, Nebraska has stud athletes on the perimeter. Are you ready to let them play? And the rub with this is you got a bunch of guys that aren't as explosive that know every play. So can you shrink down your playbook and just roll with what the guys do know and can execute and go with your young pups that can go ball? That's really up to the coaches. That's up to Lubick. That's up to Frost. And what's going to get your offense going? A hitch route to Xavier Betts that he can break a tackle and, and, and tack on 20 yak yards? Or do you just keep throwing slants to a walk-on, and hope he catches it. We'll talk some Penn State next. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! back into it it's hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery let's get the lowdown on penn state we welcome in audrey snyder with the athletic and uh, can find her on twitter at odd 4 audrey it's uh, great to spend some time with you on nebraska penn state how's your week been thanks for
5: having me first off um it's, it's been an interesting week around here um you know for state college this is a, a town very much like Lincoln where everything revolves around football you know and so much of the excitement and the tenor and the mood of the town is based off of that and with Penn State being 0-3 for the first time since 2001 the mood around here is a little tense as I'm sure you can uh, you can figure right
2: Yeah. well no, no kidding right you have two programs that have won a lot of football games and uh, combined 0-5 and, 5 and man uh we weren't sure where nebraska was going to be you know with the new schedule release heading into the penn state game but i didn't think penn state was going to be at zero and three and and i want to kind of start and and start at the beginning of the year with you and Indiana's a good football team coach allen's got a really nice program and what a what a nip and tuck ball game but in your opinion, has, has Penn State fully recovered from that as the season's moved on or, I don't know, how do you gauge it? Uh, how do you gauge where they're at now compared to that that shocking, controversial loss in, in week one?
5: Yeah, you know, I it's so weird with this particular team because there's so many things going on and it seems like every week with Penn State we're learning something new in terms of something that's going wrong behind the scenes and so, for example, I mean, yes, if they win that game, um, if Michael Penix, that two-point conversion is short, Penn State wins that game, you know, okay, if you're 1-2, and two, it's certainly not as bad as own 3 so that would help. But when you follow that up with a loss to Ohio State, which is, you know, under normal circumstances, that would have been the whiteout game. That was the mm-hmm. game fans had circled as, okay, this is the measuring stick, as it always is going to be around here in the Big Ten East, and you know you lose that game and it's like okay now you're 0-2, but you haven't looked particularly good in either of those two games and then you compound that with a loss to Michigan or I'm sorry a loss to Maryland mm-hmm. which is still is bizarre to say, to say. Um, and it's just like they look really really bad and this week you know all off season it was okay Micah Parsons is opting out for the NFL James Franklin's family is living away from him. They're living down south because of COVID-19 concerns and his daughter being at a higher risk Mm -hmm. um, with sickle cell disease. But then this week, Franklin said, you know, yeah, I have not done a great job of managing my family living away from me this season. That's been a challenge. You know, then Wednesday night we find out starting running back Journey Brown, who's been out for an indefinite amount of time. Here behind the scenes they've been dealing with this, that Brown was diagnosed with a heart condition uh, and it's career ended. So, I mean, you've got injuries now compounding a roster that wasn't as talented as it was supposed to be with we underperformance, and I don't know how you cured that other than getting a win.
2: That's where Nebraska's at. I mean, they, they need something good to happen, and you you have the quarterback situation swirling and i know that's been a topic of conversation in state college as well where you've got an experienced quarterback that's not doing what you think they should be doing it's not all on clifford it's not all on adrian martinez but the, those guys both would acknowledge they need to play better um you know can this team galvanize rally uh for for journey, I know he made his announcement on social media yesterday. Can they go try and win one for journey? I mean, talk to me about the dynamics of this football team. It looks to me, especially on the lines of scrimmage, where they're they're pretty veteran guys, aren't they?
5: Oh yeah, uh, Penn State's offensive line. I mean, they thought it was going to be a bright spot. They returned four or five starters, and they would even make the argument that it was like four and a half starters. Sure. Because They had two guys splitting time uh, at guard last year that both were going to become starters this year. But, you know, it's really telling then when they get into this Maryland game and you're in the second, third quarter, and you see them starting to shuffle this right side of their offensive line, um, and it's because they still don't know who their five best guys are. I mean, that's a problem. (laughs) I mean, especially on a veteran line, it's to the point where I think you have to say it a couple spots for Penn State um, you need to have a bit of a youth movement now because you're 0-3, um, everything that you'd hope to play for in terms of a Big Ten title, college football playoff, that's gone out the window. Yes, this year is crazy. It's unprecedented. It's really difficult to try and keep it team moving in the right direction during the pandemic. Uh, but you've got to start seeing what some of these younger guys can do. And But to your point about Jeremy Brown and this kind of maybe being a galvanizing moment for Penn State, um, I think if there is one guy that this team can and will rally around, it's Journey Brown. I mean, he is beloved. You know, teammates had spoke, spoke so glowing, glowingly, back. even last year. He was a bright spot. He was the guy who beat out the former five-star running back, and Brown was a three-star guy. I mean, it was, what he did in the Cotton Bowl was that moment where you say, wow, this guy not only deserves to be the starter, because that was a fair talking point last year of whether or not it was him or freshman Noah Kane who deserves to be that starter. And, you know, Brown showed during the last five games last year that he should be that guy. And then you just never have an opportunity to see that. So teammates definitely, I think, will rally around him. And we saw a lot of that on social media uh, Wednesday night. But I guess the other part about that is, while everything is finalized with Brown now in terms of him medically retiring, uh, this has been going on behind the scenes since September. So part of me says, well, if they were going to have a galvanizing moment and mm-hmm. win a game for journey Brown, um, really they could have done that in any of these first three games because Penn State has just been waiting on second opinions and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really sad and situation for one of the most jovial, upbeat uh, people on this team, one of the most jovial, upbeat people I've ever covered in journey Brown. So, you know, you do have that going on, but then you, you look and – his backup, Noah Kane is lost for the season because Kane got hurt during the opening drive against Indiana. So they're down to their third-string running back, and they've struggled to run the ball. And that's a combination of the, under, the offensive line underperforming. It's a combination of the inabilities of this pass game with Sean Clifford. And then it's also the reality of, hey, here's another blow. You're down to your third-string guy who was a four-star running back mm-hmm. in fairness in Devin Ford. Um, But you've got two true freshmen backing him up as well, and again, that's not any part of the script that any of us had in mind when we were thinking about Penn State football in
2: 2020. Audrey Snyder's with us. She's with The Athletic. Covers Penn State at Aud Snyder Four is where you find her on Twitter. Uh, the offensive line: 13 sacks in three games. I know Maryland feasted. Uh, I know Penn State's been so great over the the last you know Franklin era with not only getting big time wide receivers but just the deep shots that Penn State seems to always hit that 50-50 kind of sideline yeah. jump ball or back shoulder, and I know they went to that well a lot watching the Maryland game, and, you know, Maryland, Maryland's a better team. I mean, Loxley's done a really nice job, especially after week one, but still it just seems like they're off. Is there, I don't want to say disconnect, but is there still some some learning curve going on with the, the new offensive coordinator that did so well at Minnesota? Has that been an issue, or is this really all about Injury, COVID, and and talent that's not hit hit that bar they're supposed to hit. I mean, how much of it is the the new OC, or or, or do you think that's an issue at all?
5: You know, I do think there's definitely a, a fair part, a fair chunk of that that is because you're installing a new offense via Zoom. Uh, right. You know, with Rod and Kirk Sharaka from Minnesota, which looks like a great hire at the time, and still so very really well could be, but because of all the challenges this off season, I mean, you had guys who eventually came back to campus in June and were able to start throwing together but one of the things that, I, that we just found out about this week but I think it's really telling about where this Penn State team is um, James Franklin was so frustrated with how things have been going and we heard after the game Saturday night that Jahan Dotson, Penn State's number one receiver who really has been probably the only player who's played up to and or exceeded expectations to this point on that offense and uh, Dotson said you know we." we've got distractions, I and mean, we have got guys who aren't handling distractions well. Well, one of the things that Franklin deemed was a distraction was the fact that this team hadn't met in person at all this season. There had been no in-person team meeting. So they got off of Zoom and Tuesday changed that, spread everyone out inside the indoor facility to have their first team meeting of the 2020 season, which is the first time they've met as a team uh, since March when, you know, they went home for spring break and then, uh, coronavirus pandemic took over. Mm-hmm. So you have all these factors that, that are at play with this team. But yeah, I mean, Sean Clifford has to play better. Those deep shots, those chunk plays are really what can, can help them open things up with the run game. But until you can run the ball, you know, conversely, you're never going to be able to get some of these big plays down the field. They've got a future NFL tight end in Pat Friermuth. Um We've seen Sean Clifford just flat out miss Fryermuth when he's been open. We've also seen Pat uh, last week drop a ball that he should have caught. So you have that going on. But the fact that your receiving core consists of, you know, Jahan Dawson who looks like a legit number one receiver, one of the best in the Big Ten, um, paired with two true freshmen, and the fact that we're not saying that the receiving core is the issue after writing all off offseason that the receiving core was the biggest question mark on the team, uh, just speaks to how surprising and how strange this offense has been. The timing in some regards has not been there. Execution has lacked. Um, Sean Clifford, quite frankly, it looks like he's regressed. And James Franklin doesn't want to create a quarterback controversy, doesn't want to, you know, try and pull Clifford away. But the reality is this is not going well. Um, I think you will see backup quarterback Will Levis this week. They've had this gadget package that they used to use, and Joe Moorhead was the OC here with Tommy Stevens called the Lion Package. Uh, I, I do think they're going to probably bring that back out because Franklin said they want to get uh, Will Levis' backup involved, maybe take some of those hits off of Clifford by running Levis. But the reality is the fact that we're talking so much about the backup quarterback uh, because you're on three, things uh, have not gone the plan.
2: We'll have a few more uh, thoughts from Audrey Snyder. Uh, we preview Penn State and Nebraska. Gary Barnett's coming up in about... 25 minutes or so, get his take on Nebraska, Penn State, and other games for the weekend. Bryce McGowan is a five-star talent out of South Carolina, Husker basketball, waiting on an answer from him, as is the University of Georgia and Tom Crean. Uh, Now, Tom Crean kind of looks a lot like Dwight Schrute, but he's been to a Final Four. If the mayor can pull this off... That would be uh, in, uh, impressive for Nebraska basketball. It'd be beyond impressive, right? But uh, five-star guard Bryce McGowan's 11 a.m. So Husker basketball fans could be cracking a beer early tomorrow. One way or the other. You get him wonderful. If not, eh. But you got the family connection, Matt. To massey has been phenomenal with recruiting as his Hoyberg. We'll see uh, if it can land a five star. Uh, we'll get into some of Will Bolt's recruiting as well. More uh, thoughts on Nebraska Penn State on the way. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes with Audrey Snyder from The Athletic. More on Sean Clifford struggles at quarterback for the Nittany Lions.
5: It's bizarre because you talk to so many teammates about Sean Clifford, and they love the guy and they want to play for him. And players have come out and said, you know, he's our quarterback, and James Franklin and Sean's are under the right. Stay in a game when you're down 35 7 against Maryland and you're not playing well. He's earned the right because he's our guy. We don't want him looking over his shoulder. Um, and that's where it gets really interesting because. It's so strange watching this unfold because you see a Penn State quarterback wearing the number 14 jersey, mm-hmm. and there have been so many times in the first three games where I've said, wow, this looks like the regression of Christian Hackenberg, which we saw during Franklin's first year here. Um, that's what it looks like. I mean, it just looks like a guy who at times is holding onto to the ball way too long. I mean, there was a play last week where it's like 3rd and sixteen. And there's nothing there, nobody to throw the ball to. So just throw it away. And instead, Clifford starts running backwards and trips and falls, and it becomes a coverage sack and pushes Penn State back. And you know this once thought to be makeable field goal becomes a 49-yarder. And then, oh yeah, by the way, the kicker who was really good last year uh, has already missed more kicks this year than he has all of last year. Comes out and misses the field goal. Like it's just compounding one issue on top of the next. And. Yes, if this offensive line plays better, Sean Clifford certainly stands a better chance. But the thing that's concerning is his accuracy and just how inaccurate he's been. The fact that there's wide-open guys and he's so lost in on getting the ball to pass primaries that he's not seeing that. I mean, Parker Washington, Penn State's freshman receiver, he had two touchdowns uh, so far this season. He's a guy that can be that kind of X-factor uh, that speedy guy in the slot, which it's weird because he's built like a running back. But sure. uh, you don't think of that. They're so used to K.J. Hamler and the speed that he presented uh, last year. But you've got other weapons for Sean Clifford, which we weren't so sure that was going to be the case heading into this year. But, yeah, there's, you know, Kirk Soraka is thought to be like this quarterback whisperer. And everybody looks at what he did at Minnesota with Tanner Morgan and you say, okay, he's got more... More abilities here with Sean Clifford naturally to work with. I mean, Clifford is a former four-star guy and a lead eleven quarterback, but right now I don't know if it's the byproduct of Sean thinking too much, mm-hmm. and you know because of this new offense, they're not just playing; he's overthinking everything. Uh, but to compound that with the inaccuracy, with getting hit a lot with the no run game. Um, it's really a perfect storm of bad things right now for this
2: offense, Audrey. I'll keep you a couple more minutes. And Audrey Snyder's with us, talking Penn State, Nebraska. What's ailing the Nidney Lions? You read Audrey with the athletic at odd Snyder four on Twitter, and he, what, Nebraska fans are nodding their head right now. What you're describing with Clifford, uh, a lot of a lot of similar things going on with with Adrian Martinez, and he had some throws that he just flat out missed and. You know, time will tell whether it's it's the it's the McCaffrey era or or not. Uh, Everyone's made the decision for Scott Frost around the state. It feels like that it's time to go with McCaffrey, but maybe Adrian gets one more chance uh, to bounce back. I want to go to Micah Parsons, and he's a kid that Nebraska fans know and remember. Real well, because uh, he was on some of the uh, the Friday Night Lights visits when Riley was here and uh, just uh, the most coveted outside linebacker, you know, pass rush specialist linebacker, but kiss guy that, you know, Nebraska had a great relationship with him and Penn State got him <laughs> and uh, did, a, did a great job and beat the country out for Micah Parsons. He's going to be a high draft pick. How has that gone over, in your opinion, with Penn State and in the locker room, him opting out?
1: You know,
5: I think players understand it. Um, I think that's the one thing that nobody understands better how weird and strange this offseason has been, uh, especially when you have NFL hopes on the line, than, you know, the guys in the locker room. Because so many of them were thinking through it, too. I mean, you look at a guy like Tideon Pat Mm Fryerman. Um, you know, now this week we're asking him, hey, are you going to opt out of the season because you're 0-3? And he said he's not. Same with Jason Oway, who's kind of the other big pro prospect um, on this roster. roster. He, too, said he's not opting out. But the thing with Parsons was interesting because, I mean, we always pointed to, everybody did, his junior year and how important it was going to be. This was the year that so many Penn State fans had circled as, you know, this is your best shot to get into the college football playoff since, you know, Saquon Barkley's junior year. Everybody had circled it that way. And just the way the offseason unfolded with every fig uh, it was not a surprise at all that Parsons opted out. I mean, he came back to school later in the summer because he wanted to, to stay home in Harrisburg and spend time with his young son and teammates. You know, understandably so, they got it. They're like, yeah, I mean, it's this is you're playing football at a pandemic. It's Father's Day. Like, yeah, be with be with your son. Um, so I think it's not an issue that he opted out. It, it, I think it's just the reality of you lost your best player. You know, and how do you try and recover? But I do think the fact of that matter is, even with Micah Parsons, this Penn State team—and I wrote it this week on the Athletic. This team still one and two at best. You know, maybe he makes a play in that Indiana game. Um, you know, maybe he meets Michael Pettix before he gets to the pylon, something like that to swing that game. But this team still has so many other issues, and this defense is giving up so many big plays. And you look at the touchdowns um, that they've surrendered the last two games, it's just, it's the big shot chunk plays, which is all the stuff that they were supposed to be working on this offseason, all the stuff they thought that they were going to have um, – you know, the time to get right this offseason, you know, you look, and it's, they've given up touchdowns of 26, 49, 42, 62, 38, and 34 yards. I mean, that's not – it doesn't matter who you have out of the field. You can't win ball games when you're giving up big touchdowns like that. Not just big plays, but big touchdowns like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the wild ride that was the Micah Parsons recruitment. It's funny you say that because I do remember at one point um, I think I was covering him, and maybe he went to like one of his high school basketball games, and he had like a Nebraska visor or mm-hmm. on or something. I mean, it was it was funny because whenever you went to uh, to cover Micah, it seemed like he always had a different T-shirt hat gear. on or whatever team he liked <laughs> at that point.
2: Yeah. Well, Audrey, real quick, and it's been awesome to to chat with you, uh, Audrey Snyder, with the Athletic covers Penn State, COVID concern. Uh, is is there any for, for Saturday, I mean, never say never, unfortunately, in 2020, that said, you guys just played Maryland, any worry about numbers popping up and, and kicking off Saturday with Penn State?
5: Yeah, no, it's something that James Franklin was asked about uh, Wednesday night following practice, which is the last time we hear from Franklin heading into a game, and he said that, You know, he was looking for Wood to knock on in his office um, because that's just the way things are going around here. But he said that as of now, uh, they haven't seen any, you know, anything related to the Maryland game hasn't popped up in their testing numbers. Now, obviously, that can change in 24, 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on, the fact that Maryland, who Penn State played last week, has paused activities um, and therefore isn't playing Ohio State this week. So definitely something to keep an eye on. But as of Wednesday night, um, Franklin felt good, at least at that time, about it not being a factor and about this game happening on Saturday.
2: Audrey Snyder with The Athletic. Uh, be sure to read her, oddsnyder For follow her on Twitter. Audrey, we'll do this again. Thanks for your time. Sounds great. Thank you. There's your rundown with Penn State. So a couple of uh, similar thoughts between Jay Paterno and Audrey Snyder with just – the level of teetering that exists with Penn State. Does that talent kind of balance things out? And where's Nebraska go? Gary Barnett, 15 minutes away. More thoughts on Nebraska. Hail Varsity continues.
1: Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com.
2: Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Var City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed or high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before many more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate that sober driver. Or get a ride share. Get a ride. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Let's get into some Husker recruiting thoughts. Told you about uh, McGowan's and his 11 a.m. announcement. Uh, Tip of the cap to Will Bolt. Not only for the class he signed, but also just kind of how he went about it. And uh, you've got uh, a number of in-state and in In region kids uh, for Nebraska. And uh, the class includes nine high school seniors that have signed national letters of intent, five walk ons to join Will Bolt and his crew for 2021. Nine of the 14 are in state products, including seven of the top 10 high school seniors within the state of Nebraska. So uh, nine of the uh, make, make that seven of the top ten or, or high school seniors in the state uh, according to Perfect Game. So, Bold's emphasized the importance of keeping the top in-state talent at home since he took over in 2019. And if you look at, at some of those Coach Van Horn teams, I mean, you had a lot of Nebraska kids or or region kids or specifically kids with the, the chip on their shoulder. And, and I know... Van Horn did well with guys like Will Bolt that are are Texas products that were really really good, but they were more uh, their heartbeat matched their talent level, right? It was it was high intensity, and uh, they were able to to deliver. Of course, Shane Comanay was phenomenal, but I think of, of Hopper and Dan Johnson, both those cats were Colorado kids, so that that counts as region. But Bolt putting a big time emphasis on. Nebraska baseball and in-state Nebraska baseball, there's so much talent within the state when you go out west, when you go to Central, when you go to the Metro, when you look at Lincoln. How many of you have kids, and how many of you have kids that have played travel baseball for the last seven years? All of us are kind of raising our hand, right? And you've got some really good development, plus all the indoor stuff that's going on where you can work in the wintertime, right? So, it's 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 a it's a sport that has a lot of a lot of kids to choose from, and um, I look at, at just some some of the metro kids. I mean Elkhorn was a, a primary uh, region. Also, you got a Hickman kid and C.J. Hood, right-handed pitcher that's good. They went to to, to Wisconsin for Josh Carone, the catcher. And uh, even South Dakota. Uh, I have been been to Hurley, South Dakota, before. And Damon's like, I did not know that. Uh, Chase Mason. So, and then you got Max Peterson, really talented infielder for for Southwest that's headed to Lincoln. But uh, some more in-state Nebraska kids. And uh, hey, they also got a Hawaiian kid, which is nice. So. Uh, Good work by Will Bolt in Nebraska. They are extremely excited about it. Someday, and I pray someday soon, you're going to have a full Haymarket Park with sunshine and no virus. And the stands will be rocking again. Uh, PBA is going to be exciting as well someday soon, we hope. And the mayor's putting together a, a really nice squad as well. See what football can do Saturday against Penn State. Gary Barnett's on the way. Hour 2 coming up.
1: Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865.
2: Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time into Hour 2. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery chris schmidt damon Barr, and we say hi to the hall of fame coach gary barnett with us northwestern colorado and i'm sure he has been absorbing some masters thursday coach how you doing
6: i'm doing well chris how about you guys
2: uh-huh. well it's all right man uh, looking for a for a win saturday and uh, the, the, the state is <laughs> um yeah but uh, we'll get there in a minute but how did you uh, did you get up early and put some coffee on, and have been glued to the TV for golf? Uh,
6: you know, I had a pretty busy day. I uh, uh, I got up and uh, did a radio show in Kansas City. Sure. Then went and played golf out at Whisper Rock. Came back, and we're doing this game remotely this weekend. So we had to set up our, our uh, voice mechanisms and our, set up our TV feed and... We're going to, I'm going to have to be seeing two different TVs. We're going to have the live feed on regular television. Then I've got a, another stream coming in that's got all 22 players. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how we get this done because it's really hard to see numbers. And that's why we have to do a live feed, um, just a regular TV. So it's, uh, you know, Mark and I will ap- apologize beforehand and just try to do the best we can. And uh, then I went out to hit a few more balls here, caught the Masters. With uh, Barack, I already knew Paul Casey was leading, and mm-hmm. uh, John Rahm, we're both members there, uh, are doing well. So uh, I got it taped. I'll probably watch it when I get home from dinner.
2: Well, do so. Do so. I think you're going to enjoy and get a little uh, fun uh, to to lock in on Tiger Is is he had a, a great first day. and. I got to ask you how was how was last weekend with with Colorado and, and UCLA did you guys do the the game a remote then as well?
6: No, oh, no. So, this so you were there for shot. Okay, I was so, there you. The gotcha. It was really awkward at first, uh, you know, during doing during, during the warm-ups, you could hear all the kids talking and <laughs> coaches and because there was 900 maybe 950 people in the stands, but yeah. them distanced and way up in the very top so there was absolutely no crowd noise from the 900 people and then uh, and you saw the advertisement all around the stadium uh, and then when the game started it was just like any other game but beforehand it was really uh, awkward uncomfortable, new, different mm-hmm. but you know once it's kicked off it's all the same.
2: Well good for you and good uh, good luck to you because I know you're uh you got the Stanford and Buffs uh, this Saturday, and right. the uh, the uh, the old data center at Coach Barnett's house will we'll look pretty cool, I'm sure. So,
6: <laughs> well, the Buffs played about as well as an offense could play. Mm-hmm. No, no sacks. Um, you know, no turnovers. Two seventy rushing, two seventy passing. Never really even hurried. He had plenty cleanest pocket I've ever seen in college football. (laughs) So it was a good start for them.
2: Well, uh, I'm sure you took a little time to watch Northwestern, Nebraska. What were your impressions of of that game? First from Fitz's guys, another tight ball game. Surprise, surprise with Nebraska Northwestern. Give me your thoughts on you know just how what's Northwestern's ceiling look like, and then. I need to get into the Nebraska offense with you, but we'll start with purple.
6: Yeah, well, you know, Northwestern ceiling, was, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in that division that's going to beat them. I think Wisconsin, but we don't know how good Wisconsin is. They only played one game. Uh, this game with Purdue is big this weekend. Um, you know, it looks like to me they could end up uh, winning that division. They played great defense. Uh, I mean, it's good a defense as I've seen him play. I haven't been scored on the second half yet. Uh, and that quarterback, uh, Peyton Ramsey from Indiana, and, and I know they talked in the broadcast about he put 470 on you guys the year before. I mean, he's a difference maker for them. They haven't had a quarterback like that. And, um, you know, I thought they looked really good. They play hard. And as we know through the years, you, you know, you have to beat Northwestern. They're not going to beat you. And if you get to overtime, they're going to find a way to win because they do it all the time. And that's sort of the team he's got right now. So the combination's pretty good. I thought Nebraska, you know, I, I still think Adrian Martinez is one of the most exciting players in football. I mean, he made plays and got him out of trouble. And then just when he was able to punch it in, a pick. And he doesn't quite seem to be able to finish the game. Uh, I you know I think between those two quarterbacks, um, th- that's a good football team. They really are a dangerous football team. I think they're lacking a big play receiver. It looks like to me, but they hurt you with the tight ends. And you know I was just really impressed with them. I, I mean I, uh, uh, they had a chance to win that game in every right, as you know. But uh, you know the other team has just got this mental approach. Mm -hmm. that Nebraska doesn't quite have.
2: Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, when it comes to the the quarterback spot, no uh, showing of hand uh, by Coach Frost with what they're going to do. The consensus by uh, folks in red here is let's see if Luke can start. I don't know that Scott will will do that. I I think you'll see McCaffrey play more than, or I should say sooner, than he did against uh, Northwestern. But as as a coach and as a quarterback guy how do you approach the 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 situation of giving a guy a chance to bounce back and I know Adrian got out of trouble Adrian was great with his legs the issue with him has been his timing and his accuracy and and he's a far cry from what he looked like as a freshman and that's can can that all of a sudden change or has the regression sunk in? Is it physical? Is it mental? We we don't know. It's just there's also parts of you know what are what are the uh, what's the supporting cast around you like? So yeah. I'm anxious to get your your take on you know when it, as hard as it is to move on from a guy you brought in and start when you do do that, and who knows if Scott will do that on on Saturday.
6: Well, I think when he loses the confidence of his teammates, uh, that's. That's the final straw. That's when it has to happen. But if he has the confidence of his teammates, and he is, if he is a leader on that football team, then you've got to hang on a little bit. And uh, you've got to give him every opportunity to pull himself out of this thing. You do play the other kid a little earlier. You know that. Everybody knows that's going to happen all year. That doesn't diminish what Adrian should needs to do. But uh, if he loses confidence of his teammates, then, then you got to pull the plug. But it doesn't look that way to me. And, and like you mentioned, it's it's not just one thing. You know, he doesn't have the same supporting cast. I mean, the receivers you had two years ago when yeah. he was playing were outstanding. Uh, your receivers you had last year were outstanding. This group has yet to prove that. Doesn't mean they're not, but they haven't proven that yet. So, you know, it's a uh, it's it's never just one thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Coach, interested to to get your thoughts on, on the wide receiver spot, and here's your dynamic at Nebraska. You have some guys that maybe aren't as explosive athletically, but they know the entire playbook, okay? And then you've got some young pups that can just ball that have been kind of eased into things, but they don't have the full playbook down, what do you do? You you play a kid that maybe knows x number of plays, but man if he catches the hitch and he breaks a tackle, he can take it to the house. Or do you do take the guy that he'll make the 8-yard catch, but he ain't getting 12 out of it or 20.
6: Well, you work the guys with with the uh, explosiveness in and you do you 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 run plays that they know how to run. And you don't care if you give it away. You know, you don't care if when this X group of receivers is in, you're going to be a possession team. And when the other group is in, you're going to be a different kind of team. You don't care about that. You're just trying to work them in and get them ready to play and be explosive for you.
2: Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, let's flip it around to to Saturday in in Penn State. And Penn State's uh, 0-3. And Penn State's had some moments, but they have uh, really taken it on the chin. Loxley and uh, Talia and uh, that Maryland offense, man, they look way different from their opener against Northwestern. They they put the hammer down on Penn State on the road, and I'm sure they loved it after getting whacked fifty nine nothing last year. So you've got a Penn State squad that they, the people I've talked to out of Happy Valley, are like, well, this team may fold, right? I mean, they're they're really teetering. And they've got all sorts of all-world talent. Even kids that haven't opted out are still there when we look at recruiting rankings. And I'm interested to get your read on Penn State and what you do as a coach when you're supposed to be knocking on the football playoff door and, and now you're all of a sudden 0-3. How do you deal with that?
6: Well, when you're 0-3, Chris, uh, you lose three in a row. And Nebraska can feel this way, too, is you wonder if you're ever going to win another one. And that, that permeates... The thought process. You can say what you want publicly,
3: mm-hmm. and
6: uh, but I'll guarantee you, when Scott Frost and, and James Franklin close the door of their office and sit down, they go, I don't know if we'll win another one. And so that that's the part that you have to battle. It's a personal thing, but you got to battle it. And that means players have to battle. battle Players don't quite feel it the same way that coaches do. Okay, but coaches, coaches that's what happens to them. So both these coaches have to get over that, and you know, Penn State they they, they lost Journey Brown today, as you know, he retired. Yeah. Um, you know, they're questioning the quarterback, how much they're going to play him. So there's all sorts of issues there. Uh, you don't have a big home crowd that's got to battle. So both these two teams should be hungry for a win. I still like Nebraska in this game. I I like I like Adrian Martinez. I think he's a baller. Uh, he just hasn't been able to finish. Yeah. So I, I think Nebraska, in this case, is maybe a little hungrier than than what uh, Penn State is.
2: You know, that's kind of the feel, right? Is is from a motivation standpoint, and um, you know, is Nebraska how how they've gone back to work this week? And it sounds like they've gone back to work the right way from from the the Zoom pressers. Meanwhile, Penn State, I mean, there's some some frustration. There's some question about focus with guys and this is from Penn State's top wide receiver. You've got some introspection going on from James Franklin and and maybe they move on to 2021. Is there a there's never a a right answer to this but how are you with making a decision to go youth movement versus hanging on to some older guys when it got to maybe a tipping point moment in the season?
6: Well, it when it gets to a tipping point, you still have to justify the move. Sure. Because, you know, everybody, everybody's watching you in that meeting room. And the way you handle it now is the way they're going to expect you to handle it the next time and, and, and want you to handle it. So you've got to be really careful. You play, you play a kid a week late rather than a week early. Sure. And so you're, you're absolutely sure that this is the right move. You don't just hope it is. You, you've got to be sure. And I think that that goes a long way in um, getting the guys that are in that meeting room with you, and I mean the other players, to respect you and respect that the tough time you have, the tough decision you have, and how you took measure twice, cut once mm-hmm. is really an accurate description for that kind of a situation.
2: Gary Barnett's with his coach. Uh, let's get to some picks. And uh, you kind of laid out. You think Nebraska hangs on uh, three and a half, four is the number Penn State's favored.
6: Yeah, I, I think Nebraska wins the game.
2: Okay, Northwestern Purdue. These are these are entertaining ball games. The last couple
6: they of years. are entertaining ball games, and uh, you know uh, Northwestern just has it. And you know I, I expect them to win this game.
2: Wisconsin. No, they got to knock some, uh, how much rust are they knocking off? And you want to talk about a team that's, Harbaugh's not had much panic. He's kind of been gym, right? I mean, he's just still going to work. And what do you think of this? Uh, in the big house, and uh, it's a road show for Wisconsin.
6: Well, Wisconsin may have some rust, but Michigan's got some erosion mm. going on. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how to pick this game because I don't, you know, I don't think Mertz is going to play, Um, so I don't know. It seems like to me Michigan Michigan should win this game, but I really I I just feel like Wisconsin's a better football team right now. So this is a tough one because I haven't seen enough of Wisconsin to be able to you know, throw money at that one.
2: Well, no, Nobody has. That's all right. No, uh, I know, I know. Indiana, man, uh, Coach Allen, he's got some, some skilled guys, but, man, they're a tough-minded football team. They're at Sparty. Does Indiana keep it rolling?
6: Yep, they do. You know, Sparty's not very good, but Indiana's got it going right now. And great article in ESPN today about their two young coordinators um, and Tom Allen, they got it going. I, I can totally – uh, relate to Tom and that football team and and what they're doing because that's what we got going at Northwestern.
2: That's awesome. Gary Barnett's with us. Does Notre Dame get bit twice after a taken down number one by Boston College this weekend?
6: I don't think so. Notre Dame was very, very impressive. I don't know if, if the quarterback can play like that, book can play like that again but uh, they look good. They've looked good in every game, Chris. I think. I think they've been a uh, playoff contender the whole way.
2: They do look really good. Gary Barnett's yep. with us, Coach. Uh, enjoy Saturday. Have a great call with Colorado, Stanford via remote, and uh, make sure you get time to to watch some some Masters Sunday. All right. For sure, Chris. Thanks very much. Take care. Appreciate your time, Coach. Good insight as always. <laughs> Love talking with Gary Barnett and a uh, pretty cool setup for him as uh, it's going to be the uh, the Coach Barnett war room with uh, Via Remote doing the game for uh, Colorado-Stanford. Really good insight on Nebraska and where they're at, and he's looking at Adrian. Brandon Vogel's coming up next on Hale City Radio.
1: He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught pre-teen
2: Swedish boy. You don't want to get caught up with Gary Barnett, that'll be on the uh, in-demand section in ESPNLincoln.com. Also, uh, Damon will have some of those excerpts on Coach's Thoughts on Adrian Martinez and how you handle that uh, we welcome in with Hailvarsity.com and magazine managing editor for Hale Varsity and author with John Cook Dream Like a Champion it's time to say hi to Brandon Vogel Vogue's what's up how are you man
3: doing pretty well how are you
2: i am good i am intrigued about saturday and just the uh, the, the the psyche side of things and yeah you got to go do it you got to be uh Good between the lines, and neither team has been. And uh, you know, what are a couple of things you're you're looking forward to Saturday? And uh, did Scott pull off the sunglasses last weekend? Because I loved that part of the presser today.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was it was nice to start with something uh, that was a little bit uh, lighthearted. So so credit to Parker Gabriel, the <laughs> star for for getting us off on the, on the right foot. Um, you know. I think it's probably been a pretty tense week otherwise, uh, both in Lincoln and in State College. Um, you know, we kind of knew. I, I don't know if, if any of us thought Nebraska would be winless going into this game. Uh, certainly not if you took one, one of those games out, unfortunately, which, what happened. But the big shock here, of course, is Penn State. And you kind of knew, or at least I felt as we went through those long, long summer months that. There's going to be some teams here that are that are kind of set up to maybe take the jump to take the next step, and I would have put Penn State in that category coming into the year, um, and just with an unconventional offseason, it kind of gets thrown into uh, thrown into the air a little bit. So, I think it's a big opportunity for Nebraska's defensive line, you know, to zoom in a little bit into the game itself. Like Penn State's not running the ball great. Uh, Sean Clifford is not supposed to be their leading rusher, though he is at the moment, uh, and they're also struggling to protect him. So Nebraska's D line's been encouraging through two games, uh, even though there were two losses. So I'll be I'll be focused on that part, uh, kind of to start out, and then you know there's there's a lot of other pieces to this as we get into it.
2: Let's get into the quarterback setup. Do you have a do you have a feel at all for Saturday? I mean, I. I think just the way the offense is moved, you, you go with Luke either sooner or at the beginning. Now that said, part of me is like, you know what? I think I think you might see Adrian run out there to start and give him a chance to give him a chance to bounce back and, and, and fix those things. I just don't know why he's been off from an accuracy standpoint. And I don't know if, you know. And again, I have no inside information. I'm just speculating, and I'm not being reckless with this. But I mean, is he, is his arm okay, right? Or, you know, where's what's what's causing the footwork, the happy feet? I mean, all of those things you wouldn't expect from your quarterback. But you do have a new offensive coordinator. But he didn't even look as comfortable against Northwestern, honestly. As he did uh, against Ohio State, when we just get into the way he was going through some of his progression, so I'm I'm fully on board with giving Adrian another shot. I just don't know if we're going to see a different result, Brandon.
3: Yeah, and I think that's the key question, and it's it's not an easy one to answer. Uh, you know, particularly for I think for a coach like Frost, who was a quarterback himself, you know, that adds another layer to this. Like, he knows what it is to be in this spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that probably weighs pretty heavily into the decision. It'd be strange if it, if it didn't, um, you know, up until the, the interception last week, I didn't think, I didn't think Martinez was, was playing poorly by any He was he wasn't playing great either. And I, and I think that kind of gets to the heart of the question is, is how urgent are things for Nebraska right now? Um, because, you know there's there's been there's been some some ups and downs but it hasn't been massive peaks and valleys really when you when you go back and look at everything from 2018 till now for for Martinez and he, he's great at times you see the limitations at times it doesn't seem like the game has slowed down a ton for him uh, as you would hope would happen for a player as he progressed through his career and, and at that point you, you're kind of faced with the the upside the uncertainty but also the upside of a, of a player like McCaffrey versus well this has been pretty much the same for for a lot of this stretch and the same Nebraska keeps getting the same results and i don't mean to put that all on Adrian by by any means that's that's not what i'm saying it's just do, do they need some sort of change agent do they just need to try something else to, to see what happens. And, and McCaffrey's been just good enough. You know, we, we always know that the, the backup quarterback is the most, the most popular guy in the room, always. Um, but I think you've seen some encouraging signs when he has been out there. So I would, if I had to guess, and it would be a total guess at this point, like I, I think you could see McCaffrey uh, get the start. But I also think you'll see both guys on Saturday either way.
2: Yeah, it's not an absolute, I don't think, Saturday at all with just because McCaffrey gets the start doesn't mean you're not going to see Adrian, you know. And I, you know, if you're a Nebraska fan, I I don't think you care who's quarterback and because you got two good options when they're on their game. But to the heart of the matter, it's just blowing your, your pinky toe off 150 times either when you have some momentum or when you get inside the red zone and that is the crux of this your defense is playing well brandon like you know coach barnett just said sometimes you start off like this you don't ever feel like you're going to win a game that's like the the thought process and wear and tear that you know franklin and frost are going through they're like damn it are we going to ever win a game and you move forward and to be honest with you i'm i'm interested to see just you know, can Nebraska gash a bad defense? Can Nebraska's defense go smoke a quarterback that's reeling as well? And if it doesn't happen Saturday, you know where that will also cause conversation with okay, is Nebraska's offense broken? And two, you know what's what's up with the defense? They they can't get after a quarterback or an offense that has been handing out sacks like it's saying like it's uh ha- halloween that's that's what i'm interested in too i mean there's some opportunity here for both sides of the football for nebraska saturday
3: yeah i think so i think um i i, I think the offense in a, in a general sense when you when you consider where they were over the, the previous two seasons has been mostly encouraging um at, at least to me there's there's been some struggles, particularly against the pass, which I think I think gets interesting here when you consider Penn State. Um, Jahan Dotson, still a really really good receiver. You know, Nebraska saw some really good receivers against Ohio State, and well, paired with Dustin Hill, which might be the difference here. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys kind of did whatever they wanted. Now, you're not facing that kind of quarterback uh, this week, but still uh, some some good receivers. Some receivers, I think, when you look at the inexperience for, for the Nittany Lions, have probably been been better. Dotson was a relatively known entity, but there was some uncertainty there, and, and, and they've been okay in that regard. So can Nebraska hold up on that end? I've been really encouraged by, by what the defense has done against the run, and, and this is a team that's not running it all that well. So there's, there's some things that are in their favor there um, for me, most of the questions still remain uh, with with Nebraska's offense, which we all expected to kind of be the set it and forget it part of, of, of this Nebraska program under, under this coaching staff, but it's struggled to get there. That's by no means all about the quarterback. You know, it, it, you kind of want to see what it would be like if, if, if they did clean up some parts of those games, but, the pass game has just been a real struggle. And if you look at the run numbers on their own, it's, it's kind of impressive, even through two games against two good defenses, what Nebraska's been able to do. But I almost think that that doesn't point you in any clear-cut direction when you're thinking about what to do at quarterback, because both guys run the ball really well. Um, it would be hard to, you know, Luke McCaffrey a, a supreme athlete and we all see what he can do, but Adrian's always been a really good runner. That's always been the strongest part of the game who can get you more in the passing game. I think is, is the, the key point. And those guys need some help, uh, for, uh from the receiving core that to, to be honest, like with, with the players that have played a lot for, for Nebraska so far, you just throw them out there and you say, do you, do you feel like these guys are going to win most of the time against Big Ten cornerbacks? I don't know if you can say that about Nebraska through two games this season, and, and that's a problem. Without a downfield threat, without some efficiency, even if you want to keep it shorter and, and more manageable, Nebraska's just got to find a way to, to have some success in the air, and they really haven't through, through two games. I know the Ohio State game looked good in terms of completion percentage, et cetera, but it was pretty safe. I don't know that they're challenging people in that phase the way they do
2: in the run game. Vogues, I don't know why with guys like Fleming or Betts or or Omar where you can't just say, dude, go deep. It's backyard huddle, okay? Go deep, we're going to hit <laughs> you. And it's not that simple, but it feels like it should be that simple when you've got some incredible athletes. They may not know the whole playbook, but, man, they, uh, they have some – some athleticism and explosiveness that I think could could be a difference-making. And, and, like, with, with Fleming, I mean, he's been nice. He's been nice uh, to, to get in. I mean, you're waiting on Elante Brown, and I just wonder if they kind of go all in with some of the younger guys and say, okay, we know you know, like, nine plays, like Tecmo, great. We're going to run those and just make the defense stop it.
3: Yeah, I, I, you know, and it's like you said, it's it's never as simple as it seems. From from where we sit, mm-hmm. um, you kind of have to believe that, well, maybe there's a reason um, sure. that, that you know, there we haven't seen that yet. But I do, you know, based on the tenor of the conversations with the coaches this week, I, I do get the sense this week might lend itself more to that than some of the previous ones. You know, thinking to to. Uh, Matt Lubick's talk on Tuesday, and even a little bit of what Frost said, you know, it's easy to say it's, it's open competition week, but you really get the sense that that truly might be the case now for, for Nebraska sitting at 0-2, uh, an underdog at home against a team that, yes, is 0-3 and got you know, played about as poorly as you can play against Maryland in, in a pretty shocking result but still was what it was in the preseason for a reason. You know, this is, a, this is a talented team. Nebraska's at a talent differential, I think, still, even with Penn State missing some really, really good players. Uh, so you, you've got to go out and fight that. And, again, I think it comes back to you a little bit with the quarterback thing again. What kind of what's the urgency level at Nebraska right now? And I and I don't feel like I have a great sense for that. This might be a year where there isn't a whole lot of urgency just by the nature of it. Not that Nebraska doesn't want to win or play well. Um, It's just it's a bizarre year on a lot of fronts. So I'll be I'll be interested in that on Saturday.
2: Well, when you're getting ready for Nebraska and Penn State this weekend, the I eighty podcast, Brandon Vogel, Herd at Media. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play and Hailvarsity.com. Vogues has got his new show posted Vogues, will talk Saturday morning Thanks for jumping on, bud
3: Sounds good, thanks a lot And now
1: And now,
2: back to Hail Varsity Radio Back into it, rolling through a Thursday. Hail Varsity Radio! It's that time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke with Veasan, the pride of Chicago, back with this. You follow him on Twitter at Danny Burke Five. You hear him uh, weeknights, rush hour. Of course, he's on the TV, looking all pretty with Fox Sports' pregame Bears coverage. And uh, Danny, you're always working, but you do have fun, time to 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 check the golf course and I'm sure scream into a pillow after a loss to Northwestern. How are you?
0: oh man Schmidty, I'm good but besides that game because man you're right I mean I, I I was hitting the links while that game was happening so like the first or uh the first quarter then we were on the course so I had it live streaming on my phone and I was feeling pretty good third quarter all right and then you know Northwestern started to come back and then I get to the fourth quarter in between shots I'm watching I see the interception go off the helmet and then I'm just completely frustrated from that point on and kind of just, you know, cussing left and right. And the guys I'm golfing with didn't really know why because they're focusing on their putts. Well, I'm focusing on my Nebraska bat. But, man, Trudy, I that's one Nebraska's got to have. And we say that so many times, mm. but ah, that was just so disappointing.
2: They just thought you were ticked off that you uh, two-putted or you were in the sand. But, no, <laughs> yeah. it was the big red that did you in. Let's start off with uh, Nebraska and uh, Penn State comes in at minus four. Penn State's a mess. They've got their own quarterback issues. They've got their own problems on defense. Their offensive line's brutal, but yet they're still favored here. Uh, what do you make of this? Any any angle on this game that you like?
0: This is so tough, Schmitty, because you're right. I mean, this Penn State team is certainly not what we're accustomed to seeing, but at the same time, can you trust Nebraska? You can't really trust Penn State, but I think it's just one of those mentality things that no matter who they're playing, Nebraska is going to make it ugly and they're going to make it close. Now, what this is going to come down to is whose defense can step up in the right moments because honestly, and and this may just be me, I may be in the minority here, but despite Nebraska only averaging 15 points per game, I still imagine and still have hope for this offense and know what they're capable of, especially if they're going to go consistently with McCaffrey. you got to imagine this offense is going to take a corner now is it going to go against this penn state team originally you wouldn't think so but they're allowing about 36 points per game so you get your first home game no crowd so it's obviously a little bit different circumstances so i I, the thing that i'm intrigued in, i guess is the total here and it looks like it's at about 56 and a half 56 so does just the ugliness kind of cross each other out and it almost is a lower scoring game because of that or is it going to be higher scoring that's what i'm trying to figure out chmitty i have no true feel from a betting angle if I'm being honest in this game. I think the way I'm going to approach it is just live betting it just based on the momentum and who has what kind of rhythm, but i maybe lean a little to the under here. 56 and a half looks like the best number. I think it could just be slower pace because we haven't seen Nebraska necessarily click yet. Like I said, I know they're capable of doing it, but will it be this game? I'm not so sure. And, and look, Nebraska's defense has improved themselves, so maybe Penn State will be slowed down too, but I mean, what are your thoughts on this total? Because I would lean a little bit under but not something I'm necessarily
2: confident enough to lay some money on. I don't – conventional wisdom says neither team offensively all of a sudden becomes something they've not been. The thing with Penn State is they've scored. They scored a lot of points against Indiana. They scored enough points uh, against Ohio State. And, but then you, you saw what happened against Maryland where, I mean, it was invisible blocking. The thing that worries me is Nebraska has – gotten 60 plays 60 plays in opponent territory and they've scored a whopping 3 touchdowns so uh, I think the offense can can get sparked with McCaffrey at quarterback and uh, if Nebraska wins I, I, I think it will be McCaffrey either in relief or going all four quarters and they'll be uh, a little bit better in the red zone from a play calling standpoint they, they've got to be and I like Nebraska's defense I think Nebraska can win but uh, when push comes to Shove. That's more of my heart versus my head it's Murphy's law, right, so I think somehow Penn State <laughs> finds a way to win this game, and i w- I probably agree with you on the unders Just Penn state's too talented period
0: yeah, I, I think you nail it. I mean Murphy's law. It just feels like based on what you've seen from Penn State. And even what you've seen from Nebraska, because you kind of look at it with your heart a little bit, you think they should have the talent to win this game, but just based on what we're accustomed, as a Nebraska fan is covering the team, you imagine that in the end, realistically, the Nittany Lions probably come out with the victory in some kind of crazy fashion.
2: Let's hit Iowa, Minnesota, Hawkeyes minus four at uh, the Goths.
0: Schmidty, explain this to me. Why is Iowa getting the attention here? I think this one opened as a pick-em, and now you see Iowa anywhere from a four-point favorite to three-and-a-half. Most places it's at three-and-a-half. But last night I saw it even get up to four. I pulled the trigger on catching the three-and-a-half with the Golden Gophers earlier this week. Look, this team's putting up 36 points per game. Their defense, yes, that has been their Achilles heel. They're allowing 36. Um, Iowa's defense is still pretty solid overall, but let's be honest. Minnesota at home, they're going to be able to move the ball. I don't know if I was gonna be able to keep up with the pace that Minnesota has. I think Minnesota's defense can do enough. And what you're telling me you're convinced on Iowa now because they stomped Michigan State who wasn't even touted as being a good team this season. Yes they have a big win against Michigan, but look what Michigan's turned into. So I just don't understand all the money going to Iowa right now. You're giving me over the key number of three with Minnesota, who's got this really good uh, offense at home. I'm taking three in the hook with Minnesota all day.
2: You know, I think it comes down to this. Minnesota's offense is incredible. Iowa's defense is pretty good. And when push comes to shove, Minnesota's defense is so bad, Iowa must have gotten well enough for some of the betters uh, last week against Sparty to say that, look, uh, Iowa's offense is 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 better than that Minnesota defense, and maybe that's why the number's where it's at.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. It's just, look, Minnesota 41, 44, and then 24 in that first game, but... man, I I just don't see Iowa being able to keep up no matter how bad that Minnesota defense is. I'm just not convinced on this Hawkeye squad.
2: Let's hit some NFL. Uh, Danny Burks with us, the pride of Chicago. Burks, best bets. Danny, couple of minutes. So, big win by Buffalo. They've been nails. Arizona's trying to bounce back, but they're dangerous. I think Arizona's minus 130 here. Buffalo's got to travel the other way versus Seattle coming cross country. You uh, you in uh, with the Bills Mafia here. Do you think uh, Murray and company get better?
0: You know, I've been a really big Kyler Murray fan, not only because he's been dominating for my fantasy team, Schmitty, but he's just been really fun to watch throughout this season. There's been blitz where he's been kind of frustrating and unable to throw the ball. They should have won that game this past week against the Dolphins. The kicker went short on a 48-yarder. How often do you see that? But look, Buffalo, I'm still not convinced on Josh Allen Schmidt. And I did bet the Seahawks last week, unfortunately, it was a huge public play, so not a good spot to be in. But remember, Josh Allen before that had only four touchdowns in four games in about four interceptions, I believe. And now he bounced back against the Seahawks, who at the time allowed the second-most yards throughout the air – arguably the worst defense in the league. Yes, Josh Allen is going to have a bounce back game. Now he's finally going against, not finally, but now he's coming back against a pretty solid defense in Arizona. I think Kyler Murray and company can take advantage again at home against the team that had the bad defense being Buffalo. They're not the same defense we're accustomed to seeing. Now that the line's kind of coming down toward Arizona, you could probably even wait a little bit or just play it a little bit safer and lay a little bit more on the money line. I think the Cardinals bounce back and get the dub this weekend.
2: Danny, about 30 seconds, Seattle, Rams, L.A., minus one and a half.
0: Yeah, like we said, Seattle's defense, how can you trust them? Poor Russ is on his MVP campaign, but now Patrick Mahomes is sneaking up on him. Is his defense going to screw him over? It looks like that, and you're getting Sean McVay off a of bye here. It's dangerous territory. I think with the total, you can't really go high enough potentially, so maybe over 55.5 in terms of the spread lean. A little bit toward the Rams, but it is hard to count out Russ. Once again,
2: that defense is
0: a liability.
2: Danny Burke, Burke's best bets. Danny, have a good weekend, bud. You
0: as well, Schmidty. Thanks for
2: having me on. Friday right Chicago right there, Danny Burke will wind down a Thursday edition of Halo Bar City Radio. We'll check in with Damon Barr and see what Thursday and date night looks like for him
1: miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring we in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them
2: on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time. NFL going on tonight. We are on the road tomorrow. Piedmontese the Mercado, an incredible butcher shop. They have got uh, your... Short ribs, they have your double bone pork chops. And listen, if you're firing the griller smoker up, the steak selection's incredible. I mean, Damon Barr's just going, the wheels are turning with, with what he may do. But come see us, Jay Moore's going to be with me tomorrow. So we're at the Mercado at Piedmontese, North 84th, kind of catty corner from the uh, Lancaster Event Center and, and north of Havelock Avenue, when you when you head out and and jump on 84th, so Piedmontese, incredible folks. Uh, great Nebraska uh, beef is there, and uh, we absolutely invite you out to see us four to six. So Hale Varsity Roadshow Friday. Love being on the road Friday, and uh, you're invited. To spend some time. Uh, get that meat picked up. And uh, you will not disappoint, man. You'll absolutely love it. So uh, with Piedmontese, they're the official beef of the Huskers. It's all uh, natural USDA prime grade. The tenderness is incredible. The fat and calories are a fraction of what sometimes you get elsewhere. And uh, they specialize in local premium ingredients. And the house-made sausages, brats, and kielbasa. We ate like 400 pounds of that last time we were there. So, get loaded up with uh, the meat sweats for Nebraska Penn State on Saturday. Come see us at Piedmontese, the Mercado, four to six tomorrow. 84th North, 84th. Blackshirt Jay will be there. We'll see just how many uh, how many short ribs Jaybird can take down as he's uh, got one eye on the Masters and one eye on the uh, the hot link sausage. So let's uh, continue with food. Damon Barr, and uh, you find him on Twitter at Damon Barr. That's two R's. He's a rum connoisseur. Is it Rum
4: Thursday? Or are you, uh, you gearing up for the end of this semester? Are you studying? Uh, a, yes, I'm very much gearing up. And uh, B, I think I'm going to go with a little... Uh, maybe a questionable quality meats at the. I'm going to live moss tonight. Get some Taco Bell. Oh, dude. I got. I got the text. Uh, already ate. You're on your own tonight from the girlfriend. So that is my poison of choice. So you're going to go with 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 the bell? Huh? With the bell? Yeah, I'm ringing the bell tonight, dude. Well, usually
2: after you eat too much of said stop, you get the text from the girlfriend that says you're on your own after
4: that. Might might be because your and, <laughs> manners aren't what they need to be. Out on the couch a little longer tonight. Uh, out of commission for a, a little bit, Damon Bars. Uh, but I'm ringing the bell and I, I'll enjoy it. I know you will. So are you? A, are you Chalupa guy? I love the Chalupa. They took off uh, some of my favorite menu items recently. They got rid of their free, Frito burrito, which I could eat like oh. four of them in a. So sitting.
2: You're, you're, you're a dude. You were a big walking taco guy. Uh, I sure in the lunch in the, the oh, lunchroom. Yeah.
4: Oh, lunch yeah. That's. I, pass, I love doing
2: that. Oh yeah, the walking bleeping taco, and you're like, this won't be a good idea, and then you are just inhaling
4: it. I enjoy it during the time. It's more of an inhaling process
2: uh, than you, an you eating. You do. Yeah, you don't put your fork or spoon down. You just you just dig in. Well, there we go. David Barr will be lighting the uh, pumpkin scented candle candles later in the apartment or home. There we have it. Tomorrow, Mercado, Piedmontese, Jay Moore. Me will be there. Of course, uh, back at you tomorrow at four on the road. See ya.